Hey yo guys, what's going on? It's me, Steven Bagel, aka the NBA Eagle, your mom's new favorite podcast. And if your dad likes the NBA, it's probably your dad's favorite podcast too. So we had a busy week in the NBA this week. We saw Carmelo Anthony finally sign with the team after a 12-month hiatus. We saw that Deion Waiters is indeed human like the rest of us after having a panic attack after eating a weed gummy on the team plane. And we've all been there at some point, all having panic attacks after eating an edible. And yeah, we've seen a lot of good teams that we expected to be bad, a lot of bad teams we expected to be good. And... Yeah, let's get it started. So today I wanted to talk about potential mock trades that we could see before the NBA trade trade deadline. All these trades comply with the salary cap. They all fit within teams' budgets. You guys know I'm big on the business side of the NBA, so I wouldn't be giving mock trades or potential trades that I could see happening unless I knew that it works financially. So I came up with 10 potential trades that we're going to talk about. And then I also came up with the six teams most likely to be willing to trade this season. So let's get into those six teams first. And then we're going to get into the 10 trades that I came up with. Okay, for the six teams I came up with as the most likely to trade before the trade deadline, I have four sellers and two buyers. The four sellers I have as the New York Knicks, the Charlotte Hornets, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. The two buyers I have are the Portland Trailblazers and the Miami Heat. Now, when I'm trying to find teams I think are going to be sellers, usually they're, team, they're bad teams with expiring contracts that they can trade to teams that aren't trying to take on future money. When I'm looking at sellers, I'm looking for teams that could most benefit from taking on these expiring contracts and teams that are committed to winning now and wouldn't mind trading an asset in order to upgrade their current talents. So first, let's talk about the Knicks. The New York Knicks, we know, had a ton of cap space this summer. And after missing out on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and maybe even Kemba Walker, who they were going to pursue, they had nothing to do with this money. Everyone is saving their money now for the 2021 offseason when LeBron James and Kawhi and Paul George and Giannis and Bradley Beal and all these guys are going to be free agents. So teams are all saving up and making sure that they have uh, flexibility for the 2021 class. So the Knicks signed a bunch of guys to one and two year deals, mostly one year deals with team options in the or non-guaranteed in the second year. So the Knicks could trade any which of these guys. And lucky for them, all of them played the same position, so they have a surplus of them to trade. They have Marcus Morris and Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson and Julius Randle. They all play the same position. So I can picture the Knicks trading one of them in order to or multiple of them in order to just match salary and get an asset in return because, quite frankly, they weren't going to do anything else with that money. They might as well get an asset for any of these players. Next, I have the Charlotte Hornets, who had a bunch of guys on bad contracts, a bunch of overpaid guys that they never should have signed to these extensions, which they did. 
And they're finally coming off the books this summer, which means they're expiring contracts as well. They have Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Bismick Biombo and Marvin Williams and all these guys are going to be expiring contracts and they're all going to be re-signing elsewhere this summer. The Hornets aren't going to retain any of them. So why not trade them to get an asset as well? I don't know if the Hornets are going to be willing to take on money after being in luxury tax all the last few years, but I can't picture them trading these guys for another expiring contract and getting a second round pick in return or something like that. Okay, then the Cleveland Cavaliers. We saw last year the Cavs are willing to take on money in future years and trade away expiring contracts in order to get a first round pick in return. We saw them do that twice last year. They did it with the Milwaukee Bucks. They traded them George Hill's expiring contract for Matthew Delavidova and John Henson, who both had two years left on their deal last year and this year. So they're expiring contracts now. And they also did it with the Alec Burks trade and that three-way trade where they took on Brandon Knight in the extra year of his salary and they got a first-round pick in return for him as well. So the Cavs, as a result, had three first-round picks. I could picture them doing a similar thing, taking on more money. They have almost all expiring contracts aside from Kevin Love. So they can really, um, they can take on a few bad contracts or two and still probably be under the salary cap to be able to sign a player or two. And then the Oklahoma City Thunder, or a team I have as a seller, because we saw what they did in the offseason. They traded Paul George for like a shit ton of draft picks. I think it was seven. Then they traded, well, not seven for Paul George, but it was like four for Paul George. And then they got two for Russell Westbrook and they got one for Jeremy Grant. So that equates to seven first round picks they accumulated this summer. And I don't think they're done. I think they could trade Danilo Gallinari and his expiring contract into another asset. They could trade Chris Paul just to get off of his money. I don't know what they're going to have to take back. They probably can't get an asset for Chris Paul given his age. But I don't think the Oklahoma City Thunder are quite done just yet. Meanwhile, for the buyers, I have the Portland Trailblazers and Miami Heat. Portland is off to a 5-8 and eight start. Excuse me, 5-9 and nine start this year. And they really need bodies. We saw them sign Carmelo Anthony just because they didn't have anyone else. I mean, they'll really need a 3 or a 4. They'll pl- Rodney, they're splitting time with Rodney Hood and Kent Bazemore at the 3. And then at the 4, they're starting... Nasir Little, or Anthony Tolliver, or Scalabissier, or Mario Hizonja, and they just, they don't have any competent guys to be able to man that position, since Zach Collins is hurt, and that's really been a disaster for them, and that's a main reason why the record is what it is. So the Trailblazers are clearly going to be in the market for a four. Luckily, I do have a lot of fours available in the market. We saw they did sign Carmelo Anthony to try to fill that void, and quite frankly, I think Carmelo is better than all the other options I have. I think Carmelo is a better fit with the team and a better basketball player than a Mario Hozonjo or an Anthony Tolliver at this point in his career. So I'm excited to see what Melo can bring. Quite frankly, the Trailblazers had nothing to lose. I am kind of surprised they used the, their 15th roster spot. They were only carrying 14 guys. And they're in luxury tax hell. Like they're $12 million over the luxury tax. I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, guys. and. Carmelo is only going to be making $2.15 million. That's what his minimum contract is worth. But it's going to cost the Trailblazers roughly $5 million. Because that's how much over the luxury tax they are. That they're paying basically almost $2.50 for every dollar that they spend. Yeah, that's the Trailblazers and Carmelo Anthony. And then for the Miami Heat, they seem to be legit contenders in the East. They're up there with the Sixers and the Bucks and the Raptors and the Celtics all competing. 
for those top five spots in the East. They have a lot of guys like Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson on minimum deals that clearly they're happy with their production. But they do have some guys on bad contracts that I could see them moving for expiring deals. And yeah, and ways to just improve their team to solidify themselves because clearly they are ready to compete now. And they showed that when they traded Josh Richardson, the 25-year-old best player, for Jimmy Butler. They clearly showed, okay, we're ready to win now. So yeah, the Miami Heat I definitely see as being buyers. Okay, now I want to get into the 10 trades that I came up with, and we are going to break each one down and the possibility of each one happening. Okay, the first trade I have involves the Portland Trailblazers and Oklahoma City Thunder. One of the teams I said that was going to be a buyer, and another I said is going to be a seller. A lot of people have talked about this possibility, so I'm sure that some of my listeners may know already know who this trade is going to involve. But I have Danilo Gallinari and Andre Robertson going to Portland, and Hassan Whiteside, Scal the Nasir Little, and a first-round pick going to OKC. Now, this trade probably won't happen until February because the Trailblazers need to wait for Yusuf Nurchik to come back and be healthy and play before that they'll be willing to trade Hassan Whiteside. But Hassan Whiteside is an expiring contract, so I can't picture them moving them once Nurchik is close to being 100% healthy. And yeah, Gallinari not only gives the Trailblazers the floor that they need, but it also gives them a floor spacer that they need and someone who can help initiate the offense alongside Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. He's definitely a tertiary uh, playmaker in that regard. He could handle the ball a little bit. He can create offense. So Gallinari, that would be a really nice fit for him. The Trailblazers would have to give up Little, who was a first-round pick this year, and a first-round pick. So that's essentially giving up two first-round picks, plus salary matching, in order to make this trade work. But, I mean, if the Trailblazers are as good as they think they are, then that's going to be a late first-round pick anyway. They haven't seen much from Nessie Little, so I don't know how willing they are not to trade him, but in order to make the salary work, that's what it would have to involve. Okay, my next trade involves the Portland Trailblazers again. This time, it's them with the New York Knicks. And I put two trade possibilities, so we got a two-for-one for you guys. That's how much I like you. The first one is, I think, less likely, and I'll explain why. And the second one, I think, is much more likely. The first one, I have Julius Randle and either Bobby Portis or Marcus Morris. Either one of them for Hassan Whiteside, Scalabissier, Nasir Little, and a first. So Julius Randle and either Bobby Portis or Marcus Morris would go to Portland with Hassan Whiteside, Scalabissier, Nasir Little, and a first-round pick going to the Knicks. Now, I think this trade is less likely because Julius Randle has two years on his deal. So I don't know if Portland would want to commit to the second year of the deal that he has, especially given Julius Randle probably plays his best as a, as a center and they have Joseph Nurchik already and he'll be healthy next year. But this is a possibility and maybe they think Randle could play the four and that way they have the new backup center and the starting power forward with that trade if they do it given that Julius Randle could play the 5 or the 4, given Bobby Portis could play the 4 or the 5, and Marcus Morris could play the 3 or the 4, and those are the two positions they need most. So this trade, they wouldn't have to wait for Nurchik to come back. They could plug in Randle at the 5 right away. Randle could be the 5 until Nurchik comes back, or 
vice versa, they could put Portis at the five, turn Nurture comes back, and then play all these guys at the starting them at the four because that's the position they need. So that's one possibility. The second possibility I have is Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson for Hassan Whiteside in a second. Given that they're only giving up Bobby Portis and Taj Gibson, I don't have the Knicks getting a first in this trade. I think they would only be able to fetch a second rounder for it. But, I mean, it's better than what they have now. It's an extra asset that they that they could accumulate. So these are two possible trades I like for the Trailblazers as well. And then my next two trades also involve the Trailblazers. I have four trades involving them. So let's get to the third. My third trade involves the Portland Trailblazers and the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets will trade Marvin Williams and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist to Portland for Hassan Whiteside, Scalabissier, and a second rounder. Again, this is probably a trade that doesn't happen until February when Joseph Nurture comes back, so it happened right around the trade deadline because the Trailblazers won't be willing to trade Hassan Whiteside until um, Nurture is back and they have an abundance of centers. But here they could get Marvin Williams and Michael Kidd Gilchrist, so they get the power forward that they need in Marvin Williams. They get a small forward that they need in Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Yeah, and all that would really cost them is a second rounder. So Scalabissier is obviously a throw-in for salary purposes. They don't view him as an asset at this point. Yeah, that's a trade that I think works for both teams. Okay, the next one I have is a big blockbuster, so you guys gotta brace yourselves. We have Kevin Love going to the Portland Trailblazers for Hassan Whiteside, Scalabissier, and two first-rounders. Now, I don't know if Portland would be able to get two first-rounders for Kevin Love. I feel like if they were able to, they would have done it by now. Portland's 5-9, and nine, guys. They're going to start getting desperate, and if they're able to add another All-Star to that roster, I think they would do it. And Almost any team would play one first-rounder for Kevin Love, but I don't know how many would be willing to pay two given the contract that he's on. But yeah, so as I said, it's Kevin Love to Portland for Hassan Whiteside, Scalabissier, and two first-rounders. Obviously, the Cavs would just be willing to get off of Kevin Love's money and take the two first-rounders, so that would be an absolute steal for the Cavs if they could do something like this for Portland. You'd be able to pair Kevin Love with C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, and this would give them the four that they've long coveted, and they would finally be able to form a big three that they've never had in Portland. It's always been Damon, C.J., Damon, C.J., Damon, C.J. Now you'd be able to add Caleb to the mix, and all of a sudden that could be a team contending for an NBA championship. Okay, next is a trade I've previously talked about on my second podcast but it would be D'Angelo Russell going to the Timberwolves, which is the team he originally wanted to sign with to begin with before he ended up going to Golden State. But he signed with Golden State over Minnesota because he said the weather is nicer and he doesn't like the cold in Minnesota. Oh, that poor guy getting paid millions of dollars to play in the cold weather of Minnesota. But I could picture Minnesota being able to trade enough to Golden State for them to be able to trade D'Angelo Russell. I am of the belief that D'Angelo Russell is going to be traded at some point. I think he was the best asset Golden State was able to get at the time after losing Kevin Durant. So I think they did it, but I think they always did it for him to be a trade chip, not for him to be a part of the future. So this trade would be D'Angelo Russell and Alec Burks to Minnesota for Jeff Teague and his expiring contract, Robert Covington, and a first rounder. So the Golden State Warriors would get Minnesota's first rounder, and Robert Covington on a very, very, very team-friendly deal. And Jeff Teague's expiring contract. Who cares about that? That's just a two-month rental, and then he's going to walk anyway. But I think Covington in the first would be a great haul for Golden State. We see Golden State is clearly in a rebuild, 
just a one-year rebuild. They'll be back to championship contention next year when they have Klay Thompson and Steph Curry both healthy. But Robert Covington would be a really good fit on this team alongside Draymond Green and Kev- Kevon Looney. And Klay Thompson, that would be a really good defensive, driven, switchable type. That'd be a scary defense. I really think Golden State would be able to win the championship again next year if they were able to add Robert Covington to what they currently have. So that's my first Timberwolves trade. I also have a trade where Minnesota could get Chris Paul, but there's two scenarios for that. The first one being Chris Paul to Minnesota for Andrew Wiggins and Robert Covington. I came up with these offers before Andrew Wiggins has been absolutely balling out. He was on just about the worst contract in the NBA. Now Andrew Wiggins is starting to play like what he was supposed to years ago. So now I'm not sure how willing Minnesota would be to be able to to want to part with him, especially giving Wiggins and Covington in trade, especially for a 36-year-old Chris Paul. Financially, that does work. More realistically, a trade that I have that I think is more likely to happen is Chris Paul to Minnesota for... Jeff Teague's expiring contract and Gorgie Dang. This trade would get OKC out of the luxury tax. So they have OKC has a big incentive to want to do this trade. They get off of Chris Paul's four-year contract and they only have to deal with Gorgie Dang's two-year contract. And as I said, Jeff Teague's an expiring contract. So this trade saves OKC a lot of money, guys. Okay, I have another Chris Paul trade here. I have Chris Paul going to the Miami Heat. So in this trade, it'd be Chris Paul and Andre Robertson to the Miami Heat for Goran Dragic, James Johnson, and Justice Winslow. This is also a trade that gets OKC out of the tax. So I think this is another trade where they would be driven to make a deal in order to get out of the luxury tax. The guy in this trade that I'm not sure that would make it happen would be Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow is probably the Heat's just about best asset now. Aside from any pick or anything, but now that they traded Josh Richardson, he's clearly the he clearly was the second biggest asset they had, and now he's probably the biggest. But we saw the team that they weren't they weren't afraid to trade Josh Richardson, who's significantly younger than Jimmy Butler to win now. So I could picture them doing another thing similar now and moving Justice Winslow to get Chris Paul. Goran Dragic is on an expiring contract, so he would be a two month rental for OKC before he would walk. And OKC would have to deal with James Johnson's contract next year. And then they have Justice Winslow on a four-year extension for a very team-friendly deal. They'd get Justice Winslow for four years, $52 million, and then have to pay James Johnson next year. But it's way better than what they're paying Chris Paul. I just know Miami won't give up an asset in order to take Chris Paul. Quite frankly, they might ask for an asset. So... OKC is going to want a first-round pick for Chris Paul on a deal. Miami's going to say, no, you should give us a first-round pick for taking all that money off your hands. So I figured Justice Winslow was a happy medium for both teams where Miami gets to keep all their picks. They still get Chris Paul and can pair him up with Jimmy Butler. And OKC obviously doesn't need to give up a pick and still gets some type of asset for Chris Paul. Okay, and now my eighth trade. It's another Kevin Love trade. This one, I'm a little bit more hesitant about. It's Kevin Love going to the Phoenix Suns for Tyler Johnson, who's on an expiring contract, Dario Saric, Elia Kobo, and a first-rounder. Now, this is a trade where Phoenix could finally get um, 
another all-star to pair with Devin Booker, and hopefully DeAndre Aiden forms into an all-star as well, so that kind of gives you your own version of a big three in Phoenix. But I'm not sure how willing Phoenix is going to be to trade a first-rounder. I mean, they're 7-4 and four now, but all of a sudden, you come back down to earth, and you're horrible again, and that ends up being a top-five pick, and you traded it away. That's not going to look good for your organization, so... I know Phoenix isn't exactly the um, isn't exactly the most intelligent team there is because I think they do a lot of boneheaded decisions. But I think this is really one where they swing for the fences, and it would really help them establish themselves as a playoff contender in the East by acquiring Kevin Love. So it wouldn't totally shock me if they were to do it. I mean, no one ever is really going to sign in Phoenix, so they could take on Kevin Love's money. It's not like anyone else is going to sign there, or they could use that money on anyone else. And I think they know that. So this is a trade that I think out of every trade I've given, I think this one's the least likely because I just don't know Phoenix's willingness to trade Dario Saric and a first rounder plus more in order to get Kevin Love. On paper, it's a trade that does make sense for both teams, given the state that they are currently in. The Cavs would love to have Dario Saric. They could sign him to an extension to be the long-term power forward, He's Kevin Love light in the aspect of he's able to shoot threes. He's a good, I don't want to say good positional rebounder, but he's a good rebounder for his size. He's a very high IQ player. And yeah, I think Cleveland would love to have him. So I think this is a trade that makes sense more on paper than it would in reality. I'm not the one running these front offices. I probably should be, but I'm not. Okay, next I have another, I have two more Miami Heat trades. The first one being Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder go to Miami for James Johnson, Deion Waiters, and a first-round pick. Now, Andre Iguodala is just sitting at home in Memphis or wherever his home is. I'm sure he's not living in Memphis. But he's sitting probably in St. Fran in Golden State waiting to get bought out. And Memphis keeps saying, bro, we're not going to buy you out. We are waiting to trade you. And get an asset in return for you. That's why we traded for you in the first place. Well, they traded for him in the first place because they got a first-round pick for taking on a salary. Another reason why is so they could acquire another asset. However, nothing's going to happen. At this point, if someone wanted to trade for Iggy, they would have. The Lakers have nothing in order to salary match what the Grizzlies would want. And the Clippers could trade Mo Harkless for Iggy, but they haven't. And if they wanted to, they would have done it by now. The Rockets tried, ma- tried making Nene into a human trade exception and trading him for Iggy, and the league said no. So quite frankly, it just doesn't seem like there's any takers for Iggy, and that's where the Heat come in. So clearly they got Jay Crowder to salary match in the Mike Conley deal, so I'm sure they'd be willing to trade him. They get, they would trade, the Grizzlies would trade Iggy and Jay Crowder to Miami, and they would take on James Johnson and his salary next year, Dion Waiters and his salary next year, and for taking on both of those guys' salaries, they would get a first pick in return, in addition to giving Miami Iggy and Crowder. Miami is sick of James Johnson and Deion Waiters. James Johnson, we know, failed his physical over the summer, and he couldn't report to the team till he was in shape, because they deemed him too out of shape. And then Deion Waiters, we know he just got, he got a one-game suspension for conduct detrimental to the team. And then this whole weed, edible, gummy situation happened. And then he got a 10-game suspension for conduct detrimental to the team. So I think Miami's ready to move on from both of these guys. They'll give up a first-round pick, but they'll get Andre Iguodala, who could really help them down the stretch and in the playoffs, and Jay Crowder, who's clearly a serviceable player now. He might be starting for them. He probably would be their best option in power forward. 
as much as they'd like Miles Turner. Or, sorry, Miles Leonard, Kelly Olenek there. But this would be a really good trade for Miami. And Memphis is getting a first-round pick in a Niggy trade. And I think that's as much as they want. It's not like they're going to be able to have salary anyway. They're going to be over the salary cap regardless. So why not take on the extra year James Johnson and Deion Waiters in order to acquire that first-round pick? Okay, and then my last trade is probably the least likely of all to happen. It's not a major blockbuster one, but it just doesn't make sense financially, and I'll explain why. So this one's James Johnson and Deion Waiters with a first-round pick going to Cleveland for Brandon Knight and Jordan Clarkson. Now, Brandon Knight and Jordan Clarkson are both on expiring contracts. So obviously Miami would take these two guys they're disgruntled with and James Johnson and Deion Waiters and give a first-round pick in order to move off their salary in order to get two expiring contracts. So they give a first-round pick in order to save roughly $28 million next year. However, I don't know if Miami is going to be so desperate to get off their money in order to give a first-round pick, especially given all the, the how weak the 2020 free agency class is and how strong the 2021 free agency class is. Miami might be better off just waiting out Johnson's and Waiter's contract. That comes off the books in the summer of 2021, and then they have max spots for a max player in 2021, regardless, without doing this trade. So I don't know if they're going to be willing to give up a first-round pick to clear up extra money in a year with a very piss-poor free agent class. So that's why I think this one's most unlikely to happen. However, I mean, it still wouldn't shock me. They're still saving $28 million next year. So maybe they'd be willing to give a first-round pick. Maybe they don't value that first-round pick nearly as much, given that they're good now. Yeah, that's the last trade I have for you guys. Tonight is Carmelo Anthony's first night as a Portland Trailblazer. They said he's going to be playing about 20 minutes tonight. So that's something to look out for. Obviously, that already happened before this podcast drops. And yeah, remember to rate and review me on Apple Music. Subscribe to me on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, If you don't have either of those, you could listen to me on Spreaker. And thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys later. And shout out to my producer, BG the producer, for um, always taking the time to edit this podcast. And... Always doing an awesome job with it. So thanks for listening, guys. I'll talk to you next episode.